Ready? Good morning, everyone. I like that guy's excitement. <laughs> that guy's ready to have church. I hope you guys are ready as well. We're going to start our service with a song. If you guys would like to rise, we're going to sing Days of Elijah. Now, there's a part in this song that says that you kind of got to shout and, and sing loud and stuff. So, so I want to see some excitement there. Here we go. These are the days of Elijah Declaring the word of the Lord And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored And though these are days of great trials Of famine and darkness and sword So we are the voice in the desert crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet's call. Lift your voice, it's the year of Jubilee, and out of sight till salvation comes. These are the days of Ezekiel, the trials becoming his flesh. And these are the days of your servant David rebuilding the temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest, the fields are as white in your world. We are the laborers in your vineyard, declaring the word of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, at the trumpet's call. Lift your voice, it's the year of jubilee, and out of sight till salvation comes. If you believe it, there's no God like Jehovah. 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 Behold, He comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet's call, lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee. And out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. Behold, He comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At trumpet's call, lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee. And out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Give God the glory this morning. I almost want to just do that the rest of the time. Amen? Hallelujah. I love it when our hearts can sing unto the Lord. Uh, I know a lot of people rather word than song, and some song more than word, but
But regardless of what side of the fence you're on there, it is always awesome when we can just praise our Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. It's good morning this morning. And a praise unto the Lord this morning. We, yes, unfortunately, I ran out of breakfast today, but the number jumped from 31 last week to 47 in Sunday school this morning. Amen. Give God the glory. Hallelujah. It's good seeing everybody today. I praise the Lord for each one of you. We got a lot of folks that are out vacationing. I know the, uh, the, the, the leader ladies of the church, Carla and Lou and Mimi and my wife are all vacationing, getting that last bit in before the school starts out on the beach. And, and, and there's a lot of people gone. But isn't it great? We serve a Lord. That's not just God here. He's God on that beach. He's God in wherever they're watching the eclipse tomorrow in North Carolina or wherever. He's still God. And the neat thing is, he's, he's watching the eclipse up close and personal like. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Guys, it's good seeing everybody. Let's go to Lord in prayer and start this service off right today. Lord, I just thank you for the, the music that was being played this morning for Bob and Chris and Julie, willing to give up their time and their talent to come and, and help lead us to sing out unto you, Lord God. I praise you for them. I praise you for what you're going to do in this place, for each one of my brothers and sisters that are here. If there is someone here today, Lord, that does not know you, young or old, doesn't matter, I just pray that you would speak to them as we, we were in Sunday school this morning, Lord, talking about our burning bush. May it, whatever it is that would be that burning bush to that individual, may they hear your voice this day before it's too late. God, may they hear you so clearly, so succinctly, and so eloquently that they know that they know they cannot leave this place without finding you. Lord, I just lay this, this whole message and this time at your feet. And may our worship today be a sweet sound and a sweet smell unto you. May you be able to sit back in glory. And, and, and God, I don't know if you, I know you have a throne, but if it rocks, may you just be able to rock with a smile on your face and say, those are my children. They're in Sutherland Springs worshiping me. God, we give you praise. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good seeing everybody. Walk around a second, shake somebody's hand, give them a hug. Just let them know it's good to see them in God's house today. There was a time on earth when in the books of heaven an old account was standing for sins yet unforgiven. My name was at the top with many things below, but I went up to the keeper and I settled in long ago, long ago. Long ago, yes, the old account was settled long ago, and the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away, and the old account was settled long ago, the old account was large and growing every day. Cause I was always sinning and I never stopped to pray But when I looked ahead and saw such pain and woe Well I went up to the keeper and I settled in long ago, long ago Long ago Yes the old account was settled long ago and the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away. And the old account was settled long ago. O sinner, seek the Lord, be cleansed of all your sin. 
For this he has commanded If you would enter in And then if you should live A hundred years below Well you know you got it settled Cause you settled it long ago Long ago Long ago Yes the old account was settled long ago and the record's clear today For he washed my sins away And the old account was settled long ago Long ago Long ago Yes, the old account was settled long ago And the record's clear today For he washed my sins away in the old account was settled long ago. Give me help yet? You okay? You'll be good now. Guys, I don't even know how to calm it down. <laughs> Sounds like Walmart at Christmas. <laughs> okay, guys, as we get to our seats this morning, I just just a um, just a couple announcements here. Uh, the um, you notice they they put the food for Thursday night in the menu too. They they started doing that to see if more people would come out. We had a a, a good turnout the last couple times. Uh, the main things I wanted to just point out, one that's not in your bulletin that I want to touch on, as you probably know, we've been studying our Revelation class on Sunday evenings. Tonight we are starting verse 12. There are three reveals, if you will, of the nature of Christ in Revelation, the book of Revelation. Three of those, one of which starts this evening in verse 12. Uh, I doubt if we can get it all in in one evening. However, if you are contemplating coming out and starting the, the study with us, tonight would be a, the night to do so. Yes, you've missed some, but tonight at verse 12 is when we really get into the first reveal of who Christ is, or at least was, uh, or in, 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 in introducing to us into his mightiness and his glory. So if you haven't been to the Sunday evening class and would like to come, we, we meet at 6 o'clock on Sunday evening. We've got a, a, a nice little group that's been coming out several of which won't be there tonight. Uh, Gunny's in Dallas, but he says he's going to drive hard to be here tonight. Uh, but I want to encourage you, if you've been contemplating tossing it around, tonight would be a good night to get started if you'd really like to come out. The only other thing I got in the bulletin I want to point out again, and you can be planning on start practicing now. I know it's early to be in the bulletin. It's September 16th for the archery tournament. But if, you're, if you are an archer, uh, in, and way back when I used to do the tournaments back in East Texas years and years ago, I'd for a couple months would practice, 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 practice. So this, that's why it's in there so early. If you're an archer and would like to be a part of that Christian archery tournament, now's the time to start practicing and call up and get your, get your name in there so they know that you're coming out to do that. Yes, sir. <laughs> Back when I did it, we couldn't even have the pins. You had to, free, you had to freestyle. You had to eye it. and We hit ping pong balls that were hanging. Huh? Yeah, that's a no. Actually, they do let you use pins on your bows now. Some of them do, which is, to me, cheating. But anyway, um, but if you'd like to be a part of that, 
the, the number and everything's right there. Okay. Oh, and one quick announcement too. The uh, as you can see, the girls are here today. My mother's back home out of the hospital. I, I think we're hospital free right now. I can't think of anybody that we have in the hospitals. That's a good week when I can get up here and say praise the Lord. When you go over your prayer list, we're a hospital empty right now. That's a good thing. All right, Bob, you want to come up and share the scripture with us today? That boy knew you were coming. <laughs> Father God, I thank you for Bob and his willingness to come and open the scripture to us. And God, I just ask that you bless him. Bless him and Shaney and just let them know that you're here and you're just going to speak through him. And may we hear you through him, Lord. Thank you again for Bob's willingness and his desire to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, sir. Bless the Lord. I'm glad I serve a loving God that's um, quick to forgive. Amen. Amen. Um, the Lord sometimes tests us and tries us. And uh, I was tested this last week and I failed pretty miserably, I think. But I serve a, a loving God and he showed me some things through his word. And I'd like to share them with you guys, if you don't mind, real quickly. Amen. Um, I got into a little bit of a dispute with a brother last week. And uh, that can be... A dangerous thing, especially if there are uh, new believers or young believers around, and if you're arguing about something, it can really um, kind of damper the spirits there in the in the presence. But in Timothy, Second Timothy two twenty three, Paul said to Timothy, "Reject foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they breed quarrels. The Lord's slave must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach, and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness." Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. And then in Titus 3, 1 and 2, he said, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and to authorities, to obey and to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. In Romans twelve sixteen, he said, Be in agreement with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Some um, translations say, do not be wise in your own sight. That's a, that's a, a dangerous ground. You know, I think I just, when I um, look at Scripture and some of the stories in the Bible, we see, like, great people that God took and rose up from very humble beginnings, and when they started to get see everything that God did through them, then sometimes pride creeps in, and they allow that pride to take over, and then it leads to their destruction. We have to just remember... Um, everything that we have, all of our gifts, every ability is through God. He gives those talents to us. In, in uh, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, it said, All bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander must be removed from you along with all malice, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2.3 said, Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Colossians 3.12-15 said, Therefore God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, accepting one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so must you also forgive. Above all, put on love the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of the Messiah to which you were called in one body control your hearts. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you that you are quick to forgive, Lord God, and I just pray that you'd help us to be able to 
show that same kindness, Lord God, and just pray that you'd help us to remember that everything that we have is through you, all of our gifts, all of our abilities, and help us not to think of ourselves as higher than we should, but to to look to you in all things and try to deal with each other in humility and love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the title of this next song is uh, I Stand in Church So God Better Be Nice to Me. No, that's not it. It says, I stand amazed in the presence. And I hope that if you're standing this morning and you're not amazed in the presence, that this song might remind you that we should be. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene And wonder how he could love me A sinner condemned unclean And how marvelous, how wonderful And my song shall ever be How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. For me it was in the garden, He prayed not my will but thine. He had no tears for his sorrows, but sweat drops of blood for mine. How marvelous, how wonderful in my soul shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. He took my sins and my sorrows, He made them His very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. How marvelous, how wonderful in my soul shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. When with the ransomed in glory His face I at last shall see T'will be my joy through the ages To sing of His love for me And how marvelous, how wonderful in my song shall ever be How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. How marvelous, how wonderful in my song 
shall ever be. Oh, how marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Pick these songs yesterday, and sometimes when you pick songs, you don't you don't get to see the relationship of the songs or why they're significant when played together until you actually play them. And I just realized this one; it's it's, it's a good one. It's uh, the beauty of the cross. At the cross I find the beauty of your matchless grace And at the cross I see a king who died to take my place It's the moment that you've made me clean and pardoned my soul Amazing grace that I would be allowed unto your throne not by my own will, but solely by your will alone. I'm unworthy of this love you've shown to me. I see my desperate need. The beauty of the cross is that there's one who has redeemed my soul. Beauty of the cross is that I'm finally free and letting go. Beauty of the cross is that your grace has found me just as I am. Not by my own works that I may boast or I may come, but simply through your Son, the sinless and exalted One. Only through the cross am I made clean to draw near to you. Say so that you would receive all glory to your name. An everlasting God from age to age you never change. A true love story remains for all eternity. That all the world would see the beauty of the cross is that there's one who has redeemed my soul. Beauty of the cross is that I'm finally free and letting go. Beauty of the cross is that your grace is found just as I am. My sinful soul could only be. Redeemed by the blood of a sinless king So you came to the world that you had made Conquered sin on the cross And he rose from the grave The beauty of the cross is that there's one who has redeemed my soul Beauty of the cross is that I'm finally free and letting go. Beauty of the cross is that your grace has found me just as I am. The beauty of the cross is that there's one who has redeemed my soul. 
beauty of the cross is that I'm finally free and letting go. Beauty of the cross is that your grace is found just as I am. So the, the conclusion that I came to just before we played that song is that there's a lot of distractions out in the world right now. There's a lot of things that are going to take your eyes off of God and start thinking about how crazy and bad a world this is. But you know what? God is awesome. God is great. And it's nice that we can get together on a Sunday morning and refocus our eyes back on him and how great he is and not all the bad stuff happening down here. Chris. <coughs> The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice, he wraps himself in light, darkness tries to hide. And trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. All will see how great, how great is our
How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. And how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. All will see how great, how great is our God. With all you've got, how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Once more, if you believe it. And how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. All will see how great, how great. You believe God is great this morning. Say hallelujah. 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 If you really believe it, say it where he can hear it. Is he great? Praise God. Father God, you are that great God. And it is, oh, how wonderful and how marvelous it is to know that you are not just Lord of Lords, you are King of Kings, and that you on that mighty throne above all things still care about each one of us individually right here in Sutherland Springs and every place in this world that's claiming your name, your death, burial, resurrection, your blood upon that cross spilled for all who will believe in you. God, I thank you that we can gather here today, and it is great to know that regardless of what's going on in the world, as my brother Chris said, we can worship you and know, know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. I think we already had church, huh? We may be here a while because my knees feel decent today. They hurt, but I'm, I'm, I can walk around today. That, that, when I can walk around, that means we're going, we might plug in today. We're going to have quite a few passages of Scripture this morning. So those of you who write, I want to get your pencil ready. We're going to jump around just a little bit. We're going to start off in Matthew 27, uh, verses uh, 47 and following. But as we jump around, there's a reason. There's a purpose to kind of what I'm going to put together. So I, I want us to talk about thieves just a little bit this morning and, and see how we can learn from thieves and how we can learn uh, some of the life things in our own lives, even if we don't think we are a thief or have anything to learn. Listen to what happens. In Matthew 27, starting in verse 47, it says this. When some of those standing, they heard this, they said, he's calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, fixed it on a reed, and offered him a drink. But the rest said, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. Jesus shouted again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. Suddenly, the curtain of the sanctuary was split in two from top to bottom, The earth quaked and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had gone to their rest were raised. 
And they came out of their tombs after his resurrection, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they were terrified and said, this man really was the Son of God. Many women who had followed Jesus from Galilee and ministered to him were there, looking on from a distance. Amongst them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Now, we see some incredible things happen. When Christ died upon that cross, the moment he died, there was things that transpired there that the centurion and those around him said, surely this is the Son of God. Yet, after that, the disciples deserted him. The disciples fled. They ran in all different directions. Now, flip over to the book of Luke. In Luke chapter 23, in Luke chapter 23, starting at verse 39, Luke 23, 39, then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said unto him, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, several things here. If I was to ask you about the thieves that were there the day of, of, of our Lord's crucifixion, if I was to say what, how many thieves there were, I would bet that you would say that there was two, that there was three people represented that day at the crucifixion. However, I would say that there's actually six thieves in that story. Six thieves were there in the, in the, in the, at the end of Jesus' life. Now, I know you theologians out there are racking your brain right now saying, how is there six? It says there's two. Bear with me. Bear with me. Because as I was studying and, and the thought came to me this past week about these thieves and, and how they pertain to us, that was there at the, the passion, if you will, uh, that, that, that walk, that, that, that crucifixion, everything that Christ went through that we just sang about, that we just read about. Six thieves were present right then. Now, the first thief I would point out to you is Judas Iscariot. He had a part in all this. This was the thief who regretted his actions, if you will. Turn with me to John, John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, starting at verse 3, it says, then Mary took a pound of fragrant oil and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair so that the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, why wasn't this fragrant oil sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and would steal part of what was put into that. A lot of people don't realize Judas was a thief. It says it so right there. Very clearly, Judas was, at the, was part of the, the bringing together of Christ to that cross and being crucified for you and I. He was one of the thieves, the first thief, if you will, in that play right there. Now, what do we know about Judas? First of all, he was chosen by Christ. He was taught by Christ. He was sent forth by Christ. He held a position of trust. This is one of the, the 12, yet he was consumed with greed. He was, he, he was consumed with greed to the point that he fell and he betrayed his Christ and his betrayal turned to regret and that regret 
led to suicide. Not only was he a thief materially, as we see there, it's stated very clearly. It's put forth very honestly by John that he would have stolen money out of the bag, but he is also was stealing spiritually from himself. He stole from himself the opportunity to hear from the one who chose him, to hear from the one who gave him his mission, to hear from the one who had taught him, well done, now good and faithful servant. He didn't hear those words. He didn't ever get to hear these things because he allowed that thieving nature that he had to take precedence. The lesson here in, in, in this is do not underestimate Satan's power, folks. You may think that because Christ chose you, you may think, well, you know, I, I go to church on Sunday morning, so everything is good. Because Christ chose me, I go to church, I, I sing those incredible songs that Chris and Bob and Julie lead me in. I, Satan can't get a hold of me. You may think that you are immune to Satan's tricks because God chose you, but you are not. That is so far from the truth. Satan may not be able to have your soul. If you truly accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've truly been placed in the Father's hand where it says no one can pull you out, Satan may not be able to steal your soul, but he sure can trick you into doing things that you will regret. He sure will trick you into doing things that, may, that will work out for the good of, of those others who are called, love him and are called according to his purpose, just as because of Judas Iscariot's betrayal, we have redemption today because it started the plan in motion for Christ to die in our stead. But it doesn't change the fact that that thief regretted his actions and hung himself on that cross. He can do this. It, those tricks can come into our lives as well. We've got to be careful not to steal from ourselves the opportunity to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The second thief I want to point out that had a, a part in the passion of the Christ and that, that end of the life of Jesus Christ would be Barabbas. Barabbas was a thief as well. This was the thief who, who, who was replaced, if you will. Go back to Matthew 27 again. In Matthew 27, verse 15. At the festival, the governor's custom was to release to the crowd a prisoner they wanted. At the time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, who is it you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Now, we see here it was a custom. It was a custom that on Passover they're going to release a prisoner, someone who they felt maybe was unjustly locked away, and, and they would give that person back to the crowd. Well, Pilate thought that he had a, a foolproof plan to protect Jesus because he didn't see any wrong in Jesus. He just knew that surely the people wouldn't let a real criminal, one who was notorious, go free just because they didn't like the words of this man right here who is innocent. So the crowd was, was given an opportunity to choose between Jesus and Barabbas. Now in Acts chapter 3, in verse 14 and 15, we just read that a couple of weeks ago in our Sunday school class, Stephen is, is, is presenting a gospel message, an incredible gospel message, and he's talking to the people, and he says, you, in, in verse 14 and 15, he says, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked a murderer to be released unto you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are all witnesses of this. That's Acts 3, 14 and 15, guys. You can mark that and go back and read it later. But Stephen is presenting to them that you were given a choice, that the people were given a choice, and they chose the murderer over Jesus Christ. Now, who was Barabbas? He was an insurrectionist. He was a, a, a notorious 
criminal. He was a thief. He was a, a robber. He was a murderer. He was, he was a, a, a notorious prisoner that was tried, convicted, and was awaiting execution. By the law, he deserved to die. He had already, they had already been proven that he was all those things, and that was what, was, what should have been prevalent in, in his life, was the next step, execution. His name even means son of a father. Jesus' name is son of the father. He, was, he, he didn't care who's, he was just a, a notorious bandit. Yet the crowd chose Barabbas. Now I understand, surely the, the crowd was somewhat manipulated by the chief priests, but the choice still re- reveals some important things about that crowd. When they chose Barabbas, when they were looking at Barabbas, rather than Christ to come down off them stairs, they were more upset about the, the teachings and the claims and the, and the miracles and the influence of Jesus than they were the crimes of Barabbas. Now, why is that important? Because how often do we as Christians, how often do we as brothers and sisters get more upset about a Christian and what a Christian says, get more upset about what this Christian's doing or that Christian's doing than we do with what's going on in the world? We want to condemn and convict our brothers and sisters and turn our wrath upon one another in the claims and the, in the, in the statements of one another rather than taking the power of God out into the world and fighting the enemy. We want to turn church against church rather than taking the churches and working together and integrating and going forth and proclaiming the gospel. These people, that crowd, they detested the rebuker of sin more than a robber and a murderer. I think oftentimes we come down so much harder on our brothers and sisters in Christ and then turn around and go out and hang out with, this, with someone who's a sinner. We'll nail our brothers and sisters and then go say, hey, I'm, I'm going to the movies tonight with so-and-so who doesn't know Christ and, ha- and, and you're not going to witness or any other reason. You just want to go hang out with them. And I wonder, does that make us any better? The custom breaker was more despised than a lawbreaker. Just because Jesus was breaking their customs, yet Jesus took Barabbas' place. He was chosen and he chose the condemnation. He chose the scourging. He chose the humiliation. He chose the death and and the, the sins of Barabbas. He chose to stand there and not defend himself. And guess what, folks? Not only did he take Barabbas' place that day, he took yours and I as well. We like to get angry with Barabbas. We like to be mad and, and hate Barabbas for what happened there. However, we are not a whole lot different. We step out and we do things and we are sinners and we do things that hurt Christ and, and we continue to do so, yet Jesus steps up and says, these are mine. I'll shed my blood for them. We need to be real careful, folks, about who we are, that we are not stealing someone else's mercy by putting ourselves in God's place of judgment over others. That it's for God to judge the lives of other people, not ours. It is not us who should be coming down on other brothers and sisters. Yes, we are to point out things if it's scriptural and then God's called us to do so, but we're to do so in mercy and love. When we go to battle, when we put on the armor of God, it's not to fight brothers and sisters, it's to go fight Satan and the enemy. We need to share the mercy and grace of God into the world, not condemn one another so that Jesus is taken down so Barabbas can go free. We deserve death by the law, just like Barabbas did. But God paid our debt for us. Hallelujah. We steal all the time by going out in our sins, but yet God's mercy still shines grace upon us. 
Third thief. There's the thief with the hardened heart. In Luke 23, 29, he says, if you're the Christ, if you really are the Christ, why don't you save yourself and us while you do so? Being crucified with these thieves is a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, Isaiah 53, 12. The crucifixion of these three had some, some similarities that Isaiah said would happen. One, they were nailed to that tree. They were in agony. They were naked. They were, there was a raging thirst. The agonizing pain. There, there was people just gawking and gazing upon the spectacle of these men being crucified there. There was people taunting them. Isaiah said all this would happen. Both these thieves, they blasphemed Jesus. But one kept it up, as we read in Matthew 27 there. One continued to blasphemy. The, 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 the thief died in a state of rebellion. He died blaspheming the Lord Jesus Christ. In spite of the rebuke and the repentance of the other slave, in spite of hearing this other slave say, what is the matter with you? Don't you see that he is innocent? We are guilty of our sins, but he is innocent. In spite of that warning, in spite of Jesus just being right there, Jesus was being, he was so close that, you know, we, you and I, we talk about salvation. If we could just see Jesus sometimes. He saw Jesus. Jesus was right there, almost within arm's length. Jesus the Christ was hanging right there. He had someone preaching to him, where is your mind at? He still chose rebellion and died with a hardened heart, a sinful man. How incredibly sad it is that so many people, we talked about this a little bit this morning in Sunday school, how many people get so close, almost accepting Christ, as, as Felix did and tell, told Paul, you almost persuaded me. Almost don't get us into glory. But unfortunately, I think many of us have been just as guilty of that hardened heart. You may have accepted Christ, but when God's telling you to do this or do that, are you doing it or are you hardening your heart? Again, not a much difference between that thief and us. Yes, that thief who died in rebellion. I pray that we get our heart straight with God before then. That we get our heart straight before we die in rebellion with Christ. That we accept Him and we accept His doctrine. We accept what He has us to do. And we say, Lord, where would you want me to go today? Maybe even today God is trying to, to speak to you. Trying to get you to do something. But you're being like the thief on the cross and just saying, no, not me. You may even have brothers and sisters telling you, well, I think the Lord's leading like this. You know, I've been praying about it. And you're saying, nope. Not going to do it. Folks, that makes us no different than that thief with that hardened heart. Now granted, you may know Christ and your soul may be, have that salvation. He did not. But why be like him at all? Then you have the thief who repented. That we read about just a minute ago in Luke 23. This thief had a change of heart. This is the fourth thief here in the end of Christ's life. He has a change of heart. He looks to the Lord. He says, man, I fear God. He sees his mortality. He, he, he understands, he recognizes that death is at hand. He understands that now is the time that I am guilty of my sins. He realizes I am guilty of all the things they said I have done. I am guilty of, of all these sins. But that man that's hanging beside me is innocent. That man that's hanging beside me is said that he has came to, to free us. And he admitted his sinfulness right there. He admitted his conduct right then. And he was so impressed with the innocence of Jesus that true repentance came out. Notice it didn't bring escape from the, the physical death. He still died. He still had that pain. However, relief and comfort and fellowship 
beyond this life was his to have. And I share that this morning because that fourth thief represents so many people that, that are right there on the verge of accepting Christ. If you will truly go ahead and repent, if you're here this morning and you have never fully repented and accepted Christ, you can do so today. When you see that that man of innocence died on that cross, spilled his blood for you and I, you have the opportunity, just as that fourth thief there did, to be able to say, I know that you are my Lord and I am guilty. Forgive me. And what did we hear Jesus say? Truly, this day you will be with me in paradise. We have that opportunity. If we're going to be like one of the thieves, I pray that that's the thief that we emulate. I pray that that would be the thief that we would choose to follow. And his example, and say, God, forgive me. Here I am. The fifth thief that was there then is the, man, the thief that stole man's heart. His name was Satan. You see, Satan was there that day at the crucifixion. I think Mel Gibson, in the movie The Passion of the Christ, presented it very well, how he meandered all around in there. Now, he began a long time ago back there in the Garden of Eden. He stole our affection. He stole our loyalty. He stole our relationship with the Father. He stole our, our, our innocence. But he was also there at that crucifixion, folks. He was there viewing that ghastly scene. I think he probably had that evil smirk on his face like Mel Gibson had in that movie. I think he was smirking. He thought that he had won the day. He saw Jesus hanging on that cross. He could hear the last gasps of air coming out of Jesus. Satan was walking around thinking, Ha! The Son of God, I have Him now. Not realizing that God the Father already had this all worked out and had a plan that was going to transpire. Satan is thinking that his son didn't make it. His son didn't make the cut. His son's going to die on that cross. Satan's thinking, I've done it all. But what did John 10.10 say? It says the thief comes only to steal and destroy, to kill and destroy. But I have come, this is Jesus speaking, so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. See, Jesus already knew this wasn't the end. He came so that we may have life and have it more abundantly. The real thief there is Satan who comes to kill and destroy. Satan is the one who has tried since the Garden of Eden and will continue to try until the end of time to steal our attention, to steal what we are, to steal what we can give. Jesus came to rescue us from Satan, folks. He came to to give us the strength and the power to deliver us from Satan and place us into the Father's hands. Folks, this morning, I, I would submit to you that Satan would absolutely love to steal you back today. Peter says that he, he goes around and he's, he's prowling the perimeter like a, prowl, like a roaring lion, seeking whom it is he can devour. That Satan that was there in the Garden of Eden, that Satan that was there at the day of crucifixion, that Satan is prominent in people's lives today, seeking and looking for you to make a mistake. Looking for you to stick your paw out. Looking for you to... to to do something where he can jump on there. And again, he might not be able to steal your soul, but if he can make you do something that you regret, and the regret turns to shame, and rather than turn to repentance, may turn to suicide, as it was with Judas Iscariot. Satan is a thief that we have to be aware of, guys. Satan is a thief that was a thief then, a thief at the beginning, a thief then, and he is going to be a thief today. And praise God, we know in the book of Revelation, one day that thief is going to be thrown into the fiery pit and never come back out again. But right now he's there. He wants to steal our soul. He wants to steal our testimony. He wants to steal our influence. He wants to steal our fruit. 
And for that reason, he is going to attack. Praise God, he has provided for you and I ample power to resist him. But it means turning to Christ, just like that, that thief on the cross who had a repentant heart. We have to turn to Christ and say, Father, here I am. So Satan was that fifth thief. Who's the sixth thief then? We got Judas Iscariot. We got the two thieves there. We, 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 we see uh, Satan mixed in there. Where, who the last thief could be? It's the thief who was not a thief. Now, what does that mean? Jesus was approached as a thief in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember how they came to get him? The Sanhedrin come up with all their swords and everything drawn. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 26? He looked at them all and he said, Have you come to arrest me with swords and clubs as though I was a robber? In other words, as I, if I was a thief, you know who I am. I teach in the synagogues. You see me every day. But yet you call me a thief. By your actions, you're calling me a thief. Jesus also received the sentence of a thief. The punishment for stealing was far more severe then than it is today. And he was, going, he was hung on that cross like a thief. The Bible tells us that when he returns to the earth, it's going to be like a thief. He's going to come in unannounced. So nobody knows when he's coming. He's going to come in and, and, and sweep across when people least expect it. Bottom line is this, folks. In a sense, we are all thieves. In a sense, we can learn something from every one of these thieves and we can take away that Christ was not a thief, but he chose to die as one for you and I. We are all thieves. Converted thieves, I pray everyone in here has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And again, if you have not, then you need to make that decision just like that second thief on the cross did. But we're thieves nonetheless. We, we tend to hold back from God his rightful ownership of us. Now, you may be here this morning and say, nope, I've sold out everything to Christ. Is that really true? Because if there is something that you're holding out from Christ, you're stealing ownership of it from who should have it. And at that point, we become one of those thieves. And we have to make a decision which thief we're going to emulate. Am I going to stand in rebellion? Or am I going to choose repentance? Yes, Jesus was, was guilty of some things. He was guilty of loving us. He was guilty of caring about us. He was guilty of speaking the truth. He was guilty of forgiving sins. He was guilty of, of being the almighty God. That's all Jesus was guilty of. Jesus came and he bled and he died on that cross like a common thief to save the thieves that he loved, which is you and I. Whomever chooses to call upon his name and believes that he is the Son of God and that he is resurrected from the dead, so shall he be saved. We are real quick to point to, to thieves and say, oh, Satan, he's a bad guy. Barabbas, he's a bad guy. The hard-hearted uh, uh, thief on the cross, he's a bad guy. Judas Iscariot, he's a bad guy. You know what? They are bad guys. But if we will search our own hearts, I bet we see a little bit of every one of them within us. And if a little bit of each one of them is within us, then I think we better do as the other thief and say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me, here I am. It is we who are thieves, not God. It is we who steal the, the opportunities from God, not God stealing them from us. You know, I got, when I was in college, 
My minor was in medieval Renaissance studies. Incredible course. I, I love it. I wish I could do, do that all the time. But I come across a lot of stories. You do a lot of reading in that type of academic study. One of the, the stories that I came across one time and I thought was really fitting to this story here today, in the war between Britain and France, the custom or the, the law, if you will, for men to, were to be drafted by the French army by going into a lottery system. Their name was thrown in. When someone's name was drawn, that person went to the front line. That person was now part of the military, and he was going to go forth, and he was going to fight Britain. But there was one exception, and that was that a person could be exempt from going in and fighting if he had somebody else who was willing to take his place. If there was someone who was willing to come and stand in his presence and say, you know what, I choose to fill the spot for that man's name. Well, on one occasion, the authorities come to this man, and he tells him that you are amongst the chosen. Your name was drawn. But he refused to go. He said, I'm not going to do it. I was shot two years ago. And they look at him, and, and first they question his sanity. They think, well, maybe he's crazy. They said, no, he's just trying to get out of coming to duty. But he insisted that was the case. He said, no, you don't understand. If you will go look at the records, you will see that my name came up two years ago and that I was shot. And they looked at him and said, how can that be? You're standing here. Nope, earlier, earlier I was shot. I was killed two years ago. I died in combat two years ago. How can that be? You're still alive. I'm looking at you. I'm talking to you. But then he explained that when his name came up two years ago, that a close friend of his told him, you have a family. You have a large family. You have a wife. I don't have anyone. It would be a shame for you to go and leave that family. I'll take your place. And my friend, he went and he filled my place, and he was shot two years ago. Well, they go and they, they look at the record, and sure enough, there's his name. And then there's also that by his name that he died in combat, that he was shot two years ago, just like he was, they said. Well, this is a very unusual case, and it got referred all the way up to Napoleon Bonaparte. And Napoleon looks at the case and decided that the country had no legal claim on this man. He was a free man. By the law, one person died in his stead, and that counts as his lottery. Now, if Napoleon Bonaparte, a, a, a human being just like you and I, can understand the importance of one dying in the stead of the other, then how much more would God understand? You see, Jesus died upon that cross for you and I. Our name is up in the lottery. For the wages of sin is death, and yet all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, then our name equates to death. We are just like the thieves on the cross. We have stolen the things that were God's, and used them for our own purposes. But there's one who chose to die in our stead, and the only requirement is you ask him to do so. You come in and say, Father, I believe you are whom you say that you are. I believe that I am a thief. I am a sinner. I, I am the one who should be hanging on that cross. But I ask for your mercy. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for you to wash over me. And may your blood, your righteous blood, the only blood that was ever spilt that could truly cover sin because it was sinless blood, I ask you to bathe me with your righteousness. If you was to say that and mean it with your heart, then just like all them, them 
thieves around that cross, you are one of them, but you'll be like the one that Jesus said, truly this day you shall be with me in paradise. We are no better than the thieves of scriptures. Not a single one of us is better than anyone else on this earth. You're either saved or you're lost. That's the only two real distinctions. And the choice is yours today to die in rebellion or have repentance and forgiveness in the mercy of God. When we want to hate on thieves and hate on the bad people of the Bible, we need to stop and look at ourselves and remember we're not much further away from them than, that, than we think. The only thing that keeps me from the lost is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I am a sinner just like everybody else. I wish I could tell you as your pastor, no, I'm pure, I'm clean, I'm good. Thank God I have a Lord that keeps me under a pure and clean, righteous robe. For I am dirty. My anger comes up sometimes. My, my mouth gets me in trouble often. But I serve a mighty God that I can go to and say, Father, I am a thief. I'm guilty. You're innocent. Forgive me when you come into your glory. You know what? He already has come into his glory so he can save my child. You're forgiven. Where are you this morning? I pray we can learn from these thieves. You may see yourself in one of these thieves this morning. You may see your past, something that's happened as one of these thieves this morning. The great thing is we serve a God who said, I accept thieves. I accept the prostitutes, the, the alcoholics, the down and outs. I accept whomsoever believeth in me, for they shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This morning, we have sang some great songs. And it is, oh, wonderful and how marvelous. And he is great. He is the name above all names. And one day that eastern sky is going to split. And just like we sang in the days of Elijah, we, he is going to come. And we're going to cry out. There's going to be a mighty shout. And we're going to be able to do it proudly with it and with joy, depending on which cross we choose to hang on. The rebellious one or the repentant one. The decision is yours. Will you choose repentance or will you leave out of here today knowing whatever that decision is in your life? Maybe to accept Christ. Maybe a financial situation. Maybe a relationship. Maybe a lifestyle. Are you going to choose rebellion or repentance? You see, guys, I, I hear a lot of sermons on the radio. I don't watch much TV. But I do hear a lot of sermons on the radio. And I very rarely seem to hear repentance anymore. Guys, repentance isn't just saying I'm sorry. It isn't just stick your hand out, shake hands, and say, I'm sorry. It's a heartfelt, I truly am sorry. God, forgive me. Where are you this morning? Where are you? Let's all stand up and lead us in a word of prayer. This altar will be open. I'll pray with you. You can pray at this altar. The question is very simple today. It's a hard question, a hard choice, a hard decision maybe. But the question is easy to understand. Will you choose repentance today or rebellion? And maybe only you and God know, but it's your choice. What you walk out of here with today, you decided. Can't pin it on the pastor. Can't blame the music guys or the sound people. You heard what God would have you to hear. Now what are you going to tell him back?
Father God, we come before you this morning. I thank you that I can come before you and praise your name for who and what you are. And I just ask God that if there are those in here today that's struggling with rebellion, struggling with repentance, if there's someone here today that has not bowed a knee to you and, and accepted you, maybe they're saying they want to get more life behind them, before it's too late, may they hear your voice. May they choose to bow a knee. Just as that thief on the cross said, Father, forgive me. May we do the same. God, may your will be done in the hearts of your people. And may we choose life over death. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we sing this morning, guys, whatever God's telling you to do, that's what you need to do. Whatever God's calling you out to do. There's no tradition. You don't have to wait till this specific moment. Do what God's telling you to do. As we sing, guys. If you're saying that this morning, then you're saying, God, I've given it all to you. Amen. Hallelujah. To be Lord isn't just a title. Though in men's terms, we've made it such. To truly accept Jesus Christ as Lord, you're saying, you have it all. Whatever you tell me to do, whatever it may be. I pray that if you sang that, that you meant it this morning. Amen. But it's good seeing everybody this morning. And, and you can go to eat wherever you go and tell everybody that your pastor called you a bunch of thieves. <laughs> you are. <laughs> but me too. <laughs> we are a bunch of thieves. Praise God, we serve a Lord that loves us anyway. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. It's good seeing everybody today. I, I look forward to what God's going to do in your lives. And, and guys, let's just keep looking up. Keep growing through Christ. Keep trusting Him. And sing those songs we sang today. You may only know some tunes of it, but oh, how wonderful, how marvelous our Lord Jesus Christ is. Sing that when it's hard, too. And you'll remember how good it is like on a Sunday morning as well. Chris was right earlier when he said the world's trying hard to get our attention, to pull us down, depress us, and make us think we're, we have no voice. You keep praying to God, and you've got a voice that is greater than any other. For his trumpet will sound one day, and the eastern sky shall split, and we will be with him. Amen? Amen. Good seeing everybody this morning. Praise the Lord for each one of you. And, and I just ask you to keep looking up. Brother Stormy, I was fixing to call my sister here. I thought she was saying me. But I've seen it. Don't really close us in prayer this morning. Father, thank you for this time in your house and this wonderful opportunity to work with you and, and to hear your word. Lord, you guide us as we go forth this week. Father, help us to touch people and be givers and not saved. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you.